Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This podcast is brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. For the latest news about fishers, visit my local news blog, LarryInFishers.com, and follow my Twitter account, at LarryInFishers. Samantha DeLong is a Democrat running against incumbent Fisher City Councilor Eric Moeller in the North Central Council District. I talked with Samantha DeLong at the Ignite Space on the lower level of the Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers. If you have never experienced Ignite, just pay them a visit anytime the library is open and the staff will be glad to provide a tour. I spoke with Samantha DeLong during the afternoon of Friday, October 4th. I'm at the Hamilton East Library in the basement in the AV studio. My guest is Samantha. You call yourself Sam or Samantha? Uh, I like to go by Sam, but... Sam, the Sam it shall be. Sam DeLong. I think the ballot will show Samantha, though, correct? It'll also show Samantha Sam DeLong. Oh, okay. So you've got it covered both ways. Yep. Uh, Sam DeLong is a Democrat. She is a candidate for Fisher City Council, North Central District. So, Samantha, Samantha, thank you very much for uh, accepting the invitation to appear here today. Um, since you're new to Fisher's politics, uh, I'm going to start this off. Just I want you to talk about yourself. Tell us all about Sam DeLong. Well, I have my husband, Joseph, and we have two kids. Uh, we have a three-year-old named Orion and a one-year-old named Cedar. Both of their birthdays are coming up, and we have two dogs. Um, let's see here. I've lived all over Indianapolis and Greenwood. Most recently, we moved from the east side of Indy. Um, up here for the schools, of course. <laughs> I think that's why everybody moves here is for the schools. I like to knit in my free time and quilt, and I like to pick up hobbies all the time that my husband can't keep them straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that, being a husband. I understand that. Yeah, that's that's, that's it. me. That's why you. Okay, very good. So, as you enter this campaign for <laughs> Fisher City Council, we'll drill down to some details later. But just in general. Tell me what you are campaigning on. What are your issues? You ask this to everybody, but <laughs> transparency, <laughs> we'll, we'll of dig, course. We'll dig deeper into that later. But yes, I've heard this before somewhere. Yeah, yeah. transparency, of course. Uh, I would like to see more affordable housing, not necessarily, necessarily low income, but affordable for millennials, senior citizens, working families. Uh, let's see here. What else? I would also, man, I know it all, and then I get here, and it's just. So um, affordable housing. We'll talk more about mm-hmm. that later. Uh, okay, if you want to, we'll just drill down into some yeah, specifics uh, that I have seen. I've, I've seen the uh, forum that was put on by League of Women Voters. I've looked at your website, and I've also looked at at your Facebook uh, feed, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one very interesting. Uh, post you put on Facebook recently, uh, which kind of ties into being involved and transparent. You are proposing that the city offer child care for those attending city council meetings. So explain yes. what you mean by that. Why do you, that's an issue for you as opposed to other things. Yes. When, so the meetings are late at night, 7 o'clock. That's my kid's bedtime. 
I can't go unless my husband's home. And if my husband wanted to come, he couldn't because we'd have to have childcare. Our, our babysitter that we like to use will not babysit during the week. Um, talking to other people, they can't come if they don't have a babysitter as well. And it'd be most easiest if it were on site and then people could come. We have working parents that are single parents. If they can't find a babysitter, they, you know, they just can't come. I've seen other cities in the article that was on it that they do provide childcare. They either pay the childcare, they have it in the budget, they have uh, in like insurance on it for making sure if anything happens that you know they would be covered. Also, offering volunteer hours for students if they wanted to come and do the childcare. So you're saying that you in other cities you've researched there is childcare on the premises of the meeting is that the way it works you or they work out a deal with the child care center somewhere on else? the premises so okay. in another like conference room or something okay sort of like churches do yeah a lot of churches do that mm-hmm. so okay and you have no idea how much that would cost you really never get into that or i haven't there into that. there was one city that i believe budgeted about ten thousand dollars that's a year for, for the year okay it just depends on how many people use it of course and you know you have to do study see how many people would be interested in it or not. As someone who attends these meetings and have been attending meetings for either city or town council meetings, most of them are not well attended. So yes. are you concerned that maybe there'd be daycare there and nobody using it? Possibly. That's another thing I like you know, mm-hmm. to see is more civic engagement. Okay. Um, I'm just, I'm just yeah. an observation on my part. Yeah. And, you know, there are some issues that draw a big crowd, and you might have overflow crowd in the yeah. daycare. Other times, you know, maybe many other weeks it wouldn't, but it's you still feel it's important enough the city should do it. I do. Okay. Uh, one of the cities, if nobody shows up, then the student would still, or the, the child care would still get paid. After half an hour, they get to leave if nobody shows up. Uh, you've been making a point along with your fellow uh, Democrats who are running for city council here in Fishers, uh, you're, you're making the point that Fishers has not done enough to support small business. Why do you say that? Well, with all the recent buildings being taken down, we don't have a lot of small businesses now. Uh, they keep saying that Fishers is a walkable city. We want people walking around, but there's not much to keep people walking around. The only time you see people walking around is when there's some big event going on. And that's when the small businesses say they actually see people coming around. Um, I know there was, I was talking to somebody Tuesday night who said that a small business went in, they were only able to stay in for two months because rent was $8,000 a month. And then they had to leave. So we're not really helping them to stay or encouraging them to come in if they can't afford rent. It's hard getting off your feet when you have a small business. I've worked for a lot of small businesses. So, yeah. So you think that uh, the city could do more now? There are some efforts being made. For example, uh, in the downtown area, there'll be a huge development with First Internet Bank and some another new parking garage and another uh, – uh, other parts and uh, to that uh, development, but the city has made it clear those older brick buildings, for instance, where Nickel Plate Bar and Grill once was, where mm-hmm. there was uh, there were some other businesses, including I think uh, if I remember correctly, there was a barber shop in there that's since relocated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they are going to have to, those buildings apparently needed a lot of work. They're going mm-hmm. to rehab them. They're going to keep them more or less like they are and try to make sure that. 
that the rents are reasonable for uh, for a small business. So is that the kind of thing you think the city should be doing? Because that's something they are doing now. Or what would you envision as a way to actually encourage small business? I One of the ideas I have is that they should work with the developers when they make these multi, um, mixed-use buildings is possibly having the developers give a lower rent for the small business for one or two months or however long they can come up with to give them a little bit of a leg up. And then the city itself, we have social media at our fingertips. They can help promote these small businesses. If you have a Facebook page, you have to get a certain amount of likes or something in order for Facebook to actually show you to others and pay money. And it's a lot. And I feel Mm -hmm. like the city can help on that front. Okay. You've also um, mentioned that you would like to see and I, I want to make sure I word this correctly, and then mm-hmm. you can clarify it if you want. But I've looked at some of your material, and, and you asked the question whether a debt-free city is possible. Is that basically your point? Yeah. I think I remember seeing that written on one of your, your website uh, uh, arguments. I mean, that I suppose it, it is possible to be a debt-free city, but uh, if you were a debt-free city, you may have trouble – you know, paving roads, you may have trouble keeping the infrastructure going and doing other things. Uh, most cities go into debt. It's a degree, matter of degree. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there are there may be cities with less debt than Fishers, but there are lots of other cities with a great deal more debt, roughly the size of Fishers, just looking at the state of Indiana. So my question to you is, when you say, when you ask the question whether a debt-free city is possible, where are you coming from in your argument? Well, I've Mishawaka, Indiana, for instance, became a debt-free city in 2015, I believe. I just read the article about it. Um, And when they became a debt-free city, they were able to lower taxes on their residents, but they're still able to, you know, pay for other things like road infrastructure and whatnot because they're not having to pay on debts. They're able to just pay for those right off with taxes. Well, I'm not sure if they can keep that up if the RV industry is <laughs> – that is a city about as dependent on one industry. Mm-hmm. And I have visited there. It's been many years ago. But uh, they've been doing well lately because the RV industry has done very well. But, you know, it, it was on the ropes a few years ago mm-hmm. uh, when RVs were not selling. So uh, I did not know about Mishawaka. Yeah, I, there's I, a few cities. Um, hmm. Just got to find them. <laughs> Do a little research. Well, you've obviously found at least yeah. one. Uh you say that you want an informed community. That's part of what you have been arguing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my question, and again, I've covered the Fishers News going into my ninth year now, going back to the town now, transformation to a city. Is there a clamor for the public to be involved. Uh, after all, you know, the city makes regular use of technology. They're on the internet extensively. They're on mm-hmm. social media. They are promoting a number of events. All the city council meetings are video live streamed. Mm-hmm. The videos are available later on if you want to watch later. So I guess the question, with, with that in mind, what do you think the city needs to do to have a more informed community and and what signs do you see that the community wants more of this signs that i see is i've been out canvassing a lot and people tell me i don't know what's going on i didn't know that was happening i didn't know there was a public notice for that 
public notices, uh, they are in the current last page, if there are any, and in small print. They're not bigger, more eye-catching for people to see. When I moved here, I didn't know what was going on. All I could see was what was in the current. You had to dig around for city council information. It doesn't pop up until 24 hours beforehand. Um I know a few other council members have said they send out email blasts to their constituents, but there's still other people not on that list that aren't seeing it. Um, I think we could do better with the public notices. I've only seen them on, you know, on the specific grounds. So you have to drive by it in order to see that sign or in the government building. I think they should, you know, do more, put it on the, at least the Facebook page so that people can see that and, be able to come to city council meetings for that specific issue if they want to. Well, the, the whole issue of public notice, that goes back a long way. Mm-hmm. In fact, the school system quite is, has mostly gone to an Internet site for public notices. Mm-hmm. I think the state legislature has taken some of that uh, requirement to have a print publication, print the public notices. Of course, with the shortage of newspapers and the reduction of the number of newspapers, I think some of these public notices go to the Noblesville Times. I think mm-hmm. the Hamilton County Reporter is beginning to to take some of those. But uh, even if you see a public notice, I agree, it's difficult to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot of legal language and, and so forth. So it's fascinating. So as you go door to door, how many people have you have you talked to? I mean, you may not have an exact figure. What, what would you estimate as to the number of people you've talked to going door to door? Between myself and my campaign manager, we've knocked on about 1,900 doors so far. Uh, probably myself alone, I've talked to maybe four or 500 people. Mm-hmm. So, so what is the feed? So you're saying that that's the biggest uh, feedback item you, excuse me, that you have are these public notices and the ability to know what's going on? That. And plus the traffic on 116th Street. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's – I had somebody – what was that? I think it was your Democratic chairman tell me that 116th Street reminds him of New York City where he grew up, Manhattan. I don't think it's quite – I've been to Manhattan recently. It's not that bad. (laughs) But uh, at rush hour, it is a challenge. But uh, do you think that's the price we pay when we develop having that kind of traffic? I think it can be. I also think there could be better planning, um, such as the bank that's going in. That's going to add 600 jobs there, and you're going to have 600 more, around 600 more cars that are going to be driving there and going to be on 116th Street during traffic, uh, rush hour. So when you do things like that, it's going to add to the traffic. I think there are going to be some infrastructure, whether it would be Eventually. what you're looking for. There are some plans, but a lot of them haven't reached fruition. I know South Street there to the south of that development was nothing more than an alley before, and now it's being improved. Mm -hmm. And we'll take some of that off. But yeah, I I hear what you're saying. And yes, that first internet bank is still about a year or two away Mm -hmm. before that's... Because they've cleared the the land, but I don't think the structure has actually gone up yet. It will soon. I want to go back to your web page. And I want to quote something from something I found on your web page. I'm going to quote here. We have a wide variety of tools at our hands that we can use to encourage participation and get feedback. And I'll close the quote there. So what tools are you referring to? Facebook itself is a great tool. You can put polls on there. 
to see if people are interested in something or another. Twitter itself, Twitter as well, has a polls option. I think the way social media is right now, you can't avoid it and you have to use it to its biggest potential. Facebook is always changing, always giving you more options for things to do. You can even, let's see, add, if somebody doesn't like the options on the poll, they could add things to that. I think we just need to use all resources all resources available in order to get feedback. Well, I know that the, the city uses social media quite often, but not mm-hmm. for polling. And, I, and I've heard various views on polling, like on social media. Because mm-hmm. if you poll on social media, you really don't know who you're hearing from. Yeah. Isn't there a pretty large danger there that you're getting skewed data? Or what, What's your view on that? It's possible, but how many people are going to go to the Fisher's government page that aren't part of Fisher's? Maybe if we were Indianapolis or a bigger city, but I don't think that's as big a deal. I think they could move on from the poll if they get enough interest in that to something else. Okay. you. Um, one thing you also have on your website, and I was checking it out just today, the day we record this, you have a Michelle Obama quote on your webpage about making a difference in people's lives being more important than the amount of money you make. So why did you choose that quote to put onto your website? I have worked in customer service for a very long time. I worked from the age of 14 to 20, 20 something, a long time. I'm just a very customer forward person i like to talk to people it makes me happier than i mean money of course makes me happy but talking to people makes me happy too i've really enjoyed going out and talking to the voters in the north central district and any event that i go to i like to talk to people i know i've talked to candidates who go door to door it is part of certainly retail campaigning at the city council level it's something you really need to do to Mm -hmm. be competitive And I know some candidates who, especially when they begin to knock on that first door, it's a little intimidating, a little scary. How was that for you? Oh, it was so scary. (laughs) I... The first door I knocked on was actually one of my neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good way to start, I suppose. (laughs) Yes, and he, he was a little intimidating. That's just his personality has a very big personality and English is not his first language. So I was just like, hi, um, will you like to hear my spiel about why I want to run for city council? And he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So we're like, okay, well, here's some information. And he didn't want to talk to you. He did not want to talk to me, (laughs) which is, which is funny because we always say hi to him and he says hi to us back and they have the neighborhood cat that runs around and my boys are always talk to him. So they talk to the cat or the the neighbor? (laughs) They ask the neighbor where his cat is. You should tell the neighbor not to let your cat run around the neighborhood. That's not a safe thing to do. Yeah, they (laughs) they try to control him, but they haven't been able to. We've had my wife and I have had dogs in the past there. It's hard enough to deal with them. A cat. I don't know. They have minds of their own. I don't have to tell you that (laughs) you have two dogs and the cat apparently is a regular visitor. So you see that cat all the time. Now, other than. What I've already mentioned, what do you foresee as the biggest challenges facing Fishers? If you were to win a council seat, for example, you'd be there for a four-year term. Mm-hmm. What would you envision as the biggest challenges the city will need to face in those four years? Growth. <laughs> Growth for sure. And there's 
um, talk of a recession coming up. That's the scariest thing in my opinion that's coming up. We're growing at a such a great rate. And then with the recession coming, is that going to hurt our growth, hurt the money coming in? How do you think a recession would impact fishers, just generally based on what you see and what you've looked at in this campaign? Just businesses not wanting to come, business, small business not going to be able to open because we just can't afford it. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm, I, the only thing I know is I've lived here since 1991 mm-hmm. and a very different place then. It was yes. a town mm-hmm. of less than 10,000 people, and now we're – we know we're over 92,000. We're not sure how much until we get the census data next year. Then we'll have a better idea. I mentioned that only because I do remember that what they call the Great Recession, mm-hmm. 2000, roughly 2008 to 10. I mean, it wasn't exactly, but it was in that general neighborhood of, of time frame. And I was very surprised if Fisher's probably weathered that better than most other municipalities. Why do you think that's the case? Uh, of course, you haven't lived here long enough. I, maybe that's not a fair question for you. I, I, I was still that. in high school at that point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now you're really making me feel old. But uh, no, the uh, I, I, and I say that because I know there were some things that didn't happen. I think that that time, and I've only learned about this later, you know, I was busy raising my kids. They were in school and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that particular time, there was a plan, for instance, to redevelop uh, downtown Fishers. But a sort of, you know, once that had, there was another big development that was uh, set for 131st and 37, mm-hmm. big entertainment complex, and that didn't happen because the, the the funding got pulled once uh, once the recession hit, and mm-hmm. it got harder to borrow money, or just wasn't the money to to borrow for businesses, much less individuals, wasn't there. So you're saying that's a fear of yours that if we have a recession, you're not sure how because we I think that you know it wasn't you know it wasn't wonderful at that time, but but a lot a lot of other municipalities, school systems got hit a lot worse mm-hmm. than Fishers did. But um, any other comments on that? The allure of Fishers is probably what helped mm-hmm. it. Even back then, I you know everybody I wanted to live in Fishers at that point. Really? <laughs> yeah, my okay. husband and I we. We've been together since high school. <laughs> okay. Well, there's nothing so, wrong with that. Yeah, we've we've always wanted to live in Fishers, and we were finally able to afford it last year, the year before. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I want to bring something up you already mentioned. That's affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Now, housing has become very expensive in Fishers. I don't have to tell you that anyone yeah. who lives here or has tried to buy a house here mm-hmm. or any home would know that it's, it's an expensive uh, real estate market. But what dictates that is the market itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you said you're, you're not look, talking about low-income housing. The city has looked into some of that, and has, the city has yeah, not been able didn't to, pan to get, out. hasn't been able to get the low-income housing credits for the apartment complex. It was proposed there are only so many in the state, and Fishers competed didn't get that mm-hmm. appeal. I mean, they're, they're applying again this year. But the reason I bring that up is that if that's a different issue for you, then you're talking about what kind of housing market we have here, which is overheated. I mean, it really is. And, and my wife is the real estate guru in the family, and she keeps track of this. So she tells me that as well. We uh, downsized a couple of years ago and got a nice price on our house. It wasn't on the market very long. So my question to you is, with the market forces being what they are, how do you make housing 
more affordable when the market is raising the cost. And one of the reasons is what you had mentioned earlier. Our school system has a very good reputation, the HSE schools. So with all that in mind, how do you approach affordable housing? I think we need to look to other cities that have done well with it. Uh, I looked at an article today where they started you putting in duplexes and like quadplexes on plots of land instead of having these big houses. I know I have some houses in my district that are three stories. It's not feasible when you're a millennial with 80 grand of student loan debt. So if we can, you know, do a housing situation, because everybody wants to live in a house. You know, we all want, not everybody. That's the dream. White picket fence, all that. If we can kind of figure out around a way to get them to that, that would be awesome. We have plenty of apartments, but not everybody wants an apartment. So look at other cities, like I said, duplexes, quadplexes, something like that. I know Dennett Fisher just approved granny flats. I think mm-hmm. well, which is there's, a good well, there was a big story about that, I think, in the Indianapolis Star and some mm-hmm. other publications. Uh, what that really relates to is a possible change in the uh, zoning ordinances, mm-hmm. looking at at what would be acceptable that way. So I think there have been some proposals, for instance, if you have a house and you want to build what some people call a granny flat, meaning you want your parents to be around to uh, mm-hmm. help and be around with your own kids as they grow up so they can be with their grandkids. I think the city is willing to look uh, more favorably on those kind of constructions. When you talk about a granny flat, that means different things to different people. Yeah. I think that's what the city's talking about there. Is that something that you are talking about? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yes. a precise answer. <laughs> I love the um, idea. I want my in-laws to move back here. Oh, you do? Where do they, where do they live now? They're in Nevada. So Southern really, Nevada? Uh, they're really close to... Vegas. So. I was going to say, I had family that used to live there that were in the military because were, uh, my brother-in-law was stationed at the Air Force Base there. Mm-hmm. And so I've visited there many times and people realize, yeah, there's a Vegas Strip and there's a tourist area, but there's a place where people live and that has grown. I think there was only about 200, 250,000 permanent residents when my sister and her family moved there in the 80s. And now it's well over a million dollars, or a million dollars, a million people yeah. living in that metropolitan area. So that has really changed. But I've I've heard a lot of things that Vegas, not Vegas itself, but you know the surrounding areas are similar in real estate too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they went Indiana. through they went through a pretty tough time during the the Great Recession. They had mm-hmm. a lot of properties that were vacant, and I won't get into all that. That's really another issue. But it does tie into this housing issue, this affordable housing issue. So would you? As you envision it as a candidate, your view, would you need to look at building different types of structures? Because only about 5 to 7% of the land that's available to be, for building is available in the city of Fishers, which is probably not going to grow much yeah. uh, from where the limits are now. So you don't have a lot of places to build additional housing units. Mm-hmm. So how do you... With all those things in mind, how do you create affordable housing that you're envisioning here? I need all my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You could have no. brought you could have brought them. It was um, acceptable. <laughs> geez, I wish I would have known that. <laughs> um, you uh, you got to look at zoning, changing mm-hmm. zoning ordinances. There's other cities that have done things like when a developer comes in, they have to allocate 12 percent. 
of the housing that would go towards lower priced houses um, or they could buy their way out of that and that money from that would go towards like low income housing. Um, that was always, that was a nice touch or to help things like the Humane Society or we have Hand here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hand is a nonprofit out of Noblesville mm-hmm. that, that, and they work a lot on apartment projects. Uh, I'll try to give you a question you should be able to answer without any notes. Um, you've talked about a couple of issues uh, in your when you go door to door and watch you and your campaign manager here when you go out and do that. Uh, anything else you've heard maybe that surprises you from people you talk to? I did have one only one person that was super excited about downtown. Mm. Um, they are, but they're ready for it to be completed. They want it to be, you know, this fun, walkable area like Broad Ripple. Um, I've heard a lot of people actually say they like they like the idea of a Broad Ripple type area here in Fishers. We have the smaller businesses be able to walk around, maybe some bars. I don't know about that one, but well, there are a f- well a few restaurant bars already yeah. downtown. If you look at Chatham Tap, they have a great restaurant and a very yummy. And if you go to Chatham Tap, uh, be get getting there early if there's a soccer game in Europe mm-hmm. <laughs> because that, every soccer fan in town and, and not just this town but around here will be there and then that's the same in the other restaurant they have at Mass Ave mm-hmm. Mass, Massachusetts Avenue so well we're going to wrap this up 30 minutes about done here for you so just give me your basic speech I'm somebody living in your district I've looked at you I've looked at your opponent trying to make a decision so Sam DeLong tell me why I should vote for you I am not in this for myself. I am in it for the voters. I want to be a voice for them. I want everybody to be heard as much as they can be. And I'm a nice person, so you should vote for me. (laughs) I've heard many speeches. That's the first time I've ever heard anyone say that. So well, you, you, good I, for me. <laughs> and that is that is a kudo to you. Nobody else has said that. Go ahead, go ahead and finish, please. I I'm not gonna stop and stop talking to everybody once this is done. It, if I'm elected, I would like to continue canvassing, talking to people, walking around neighborhoods, being accessible, have office hours for people, or just grab a coffee with somebody if I were to be elected. So. And that's Sam DeLong. She's a candidate. She's a Democrat. For the North Central District for the Fisher City Council. So, Sam DeLong, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. This podcast has been brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. My local news blog follows news in and around the Fishers area. So, check it out. Once again, find it at LarryInFishers.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter, at Larry in Fishers. My name is Larry Lannon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.